Hello, listeners, and welcome to our Thanksgiving special. I hope everyone is doing the right thing. I hope everyone yeah. is within their own households. I hope you are unfortunately isolated and separated from the majority of your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lauren is a Thanksgiving hero. She's spending the holiday alone, mm-hmm. save for her great cat, Luna. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's doing the right thing. I am, I will say. I was going to maybe make my own little Thanksgiving meal, but then I was like, why do that? Why do that to yourself? I'll make a pizza. It will take minimal effort. Oh, you're not going to do your Thanksgiving sandwich plan? No, because I didn't really think ahead enough and go to the grocery. And now I'd have to go to the grocery. And who wants to go to the grocery at this point? You know? That's true. And so, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but maybe for Christmas. Maybe for Christmas, I will do some kind of like skip the left, skip directly to the leftovers kind of meal. And eventually I'll just make the stuffing balls. So Gwen, that's the thing. So my favorite piece of Thanksgiving cuisine is uh, the stuffing balls that my grandmother used to make. And it's like literally like you take like, I don't know, stovetop stuffing and then you put them into balls and then you bake them so they get nice and crunched crispy on the outside and they're delicious. So yeah, that's all I really seek. Gwen, may I ask you if we take this in a moment? Also, we have not actually introduced Gwen who we will just say is our dear friend and our favorite audience member. Yeah, let's um, backtrack a little bit. I don't, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to offend our other audience members. We do have some other listeners who we also are deeply grateful for. Now Gwen gets to see how much I have to edit. <laughs> yeah, you're really sitting behind the curtain here. Here, here is our buddy, our pal. What a person to know. What a buddy to have. If Gwen was the Godfather, she would need no Tom Hagen. Trust her own counsel. That's how great she is. Here is our buddy Gwen. Welcome, Gwen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a Batten Down Pod super fan, and I'm very happy to be here. And and I recommend this show unequivocally to everyone. It it truly is a delight. Oh, thank oh, you. So that's right, right, right to our hearts here. But not that you needed that because you already had them. Also, this is the last thing I'll say about Gwen and her is also I've always loved how Gwen shares my apocalyptic fears. Well, it's all you know? taking a turn this year. I know. We're like, yeah. I feel like, I'm like, yeah, we were right. We were all right. Anyway. But. It's it's an interesting, I have a bunch of like my apocalypse books from college out. And it, it has been an interesting year to be like reading and reading a lot about uh, eschatology for sure. And, and not that I think the world is ending, but that like, you know, given how much of eschatology I feel like is about like fear and power. It is is a good moment to know a lot about her. Yeah. So Gwen, I'm curious because I've given you lots of recommendations and I'm sure I've annoyed you a lot with them. What is your general take with, I guess, when you receive a recommendation? So I was thinking about this and I had two sort of points that seemed salient once I reviewed the record and they both make me sound like a jerk. And the first is that I love your recommendations. Your recommendations are good, but I think there's always, and I think you guys have talked about this, that there's always sort of inherent in a recommendation, like who the person recommending it to you thinks you are. And because um, there is a great brittleness at my core, when people recommend things that I don't like, I'm always like, oh, they think I'm an idiot this is interesting to find out my friend thinks I'm an idiot. (laughs) It's like, no, no, it's not that like reasonable people can have different reactions to things. It's that they secretly think I'm dumb. And I, uh, 
that so that was like a good thing to realize and like maybe chill out about because I think in turn it makes me extremely reluctant to recommend things to other people because I'm like oh they're gonna they're gonna think I think something if they don't like it and then it's like oh no I actually think that's not how most people traffic in these uh matters that is is just not necessary and so that was one thing I was realizing was like I would take it weirdly personal. And then the other thing I was realizing, which makes me sound like a different kind of jerk, is that a lot of, it was sort of hard for me to come up with my list because a lot of the things that I was thinking of as recommendations were things that like everyone knows are good. And I was avoiding because I was like, oh, everyone likes that. And then I need like six people to be like, no, it's actually good. I think that's just where we are. Like there's a whole business of recommendations and algorithms. I think the power of recommendation now is not so much, ooh, this is like completely new to you. It's more of, hey, like I'm giving this my backing. So Gwen, yes, you are a guest of honor. I'm very excited to know these recs that have like shaped you in some way or that you hold meaning to. So would you like to get started? Sure. I took some version of the prompt, perhaps incorrectly, to be pandemic specific. So these are all 2020 things that have made a big difference in my experience of this year. And they're not necessarily things that I would in turn recommend to everyone listening, but I thought they were, they were kind of what rose to the top of my brain. Um, and the first one is the book of Job um, from the Hebrew Bible. And I was reading the Robert Alder translation, which I am bound by the employee handbook of my employer to mention that I work at the company that published it. Um, but it really is an amazing, amazing translation. And I had this three volume box set of the Hebrew Bible um, that I, at the beginning of the pandemic, we went to stay with my in-laws and I brought it with me um, because I was reading it. It's very beautiful. And I was really uh, freaking out. I was just like freaking out. I was like more afraid consistently than I had been in my life back in March. And one of my in-laws suggested I, I read the book of Job. And it was something, and Alter addresses this in his introduction, that I think like, I thought I knew what it was because of just how deeply embedded in culture it is. Like every third line, you're like, oh, that's the title of that Elliot poem, or like, that's the title of that album. But I really was wrong. <laughs> and like, I uh, didn't really like know the proper plot of it. And I had no grasp of the poeticness of the writing, which is astonishing. Um, especially in this translation, which is well annotated. Oh, man. And I thought, like, there, there were a couple things, like, one, um, just, like, the, the voice of the whirlwind of God talking at the end, where it's just sort of, like, Alter talks about how, like, a lot of the history of an interpretation of it is sort of being, like, you know, like, God is kind of, like, being a jerk. And the point of Job is, don't question God. And that's, this is what you get when, you know, like it, it's sort of like, this is sort of what you inherently deserve human. And it's 
to his reading, I don't want to misrepresent his reading, but like to my reading, it was so much more just like, this is a completely alien perspective to a human perspective. And the perspective of the universe will never be comprehensible to you. And that is terrifying. And like that it was a, a book about chaos and mystery and powerlessness. And um, I guess I didn't get that as much before. And the other thing that's really, really striking in it that I think is worth thinking about right now is how much of it is about what happens to you socially when something bad has happened to you and something completely not Job's fault. And everyone in his community spends all their energy trying to tell him like, no, we think it probably kind of is your fault. That was really striking to me. Like, just like in in coded ways at first and then increasingly they just get angry as he's very adamant where he's like no like I did nothing wrong and I will have my day in court with God and you know that I, I thought was like really worth oh, man. For, for me reflecting because I think like I do that I think everybody does that when like something bad happens to someone you're like well they did this though and it's like mm, a lot of the time no <laughs> like a lot of the time totally undeserving I don't know it was so Job was one to our listeners I feel like this is I uh I, I wasn't I didn't know any of what Gwen was going to wreck today but this is like if I had to put money on it this would have been like some category of this <laughs> <laughs> like something that gives us some kind of like meditation or new thoughtfulness on like what it means to suffer <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I, these are pretty on brand recommendations, but they, I, that is not why I picked them. It's just that we can't, we are inalienably ourselves. So here's the second one, um, Star Trek Voyager. So I have one of the like really like delights of the pandemic and has been like really saving my sanity is I have a standing weekly Zoom call with some high school friends some of whom I've always been very close with, some of whom like we just sort of like started doing this at the beginning of the pandemic and kept it up. And it's been really nice. And some of them were really into Voyager. And I had always like the kind of reputation in Star Trek fandom that Voyager has is that like, it's kind of bad. And I, I just had avoided it. Then I was like, well, it's very, very, very long in the way that TV shows used to be. Uh, so if I start watching it, I'll have sort of like soothing background TV for maybe the rest of this. And then I started watching it and it's so amazingly weird. Like, like the, to me, the question of whether or not it's bad is like kind of irrelevant. Just like every single normal episode of Voyager would be like an eight out of 10 weirdness for Next Generation or any other Star Trek franchise. There is like one, and I will, I will limit myself to a single summary, but there's one where this sort of like bad boy pilot who has daddy issues is going to reach warp 10, which will be infinite warp. So he'll be in every space at once. And then, Sweet. so you think this is what it's going to be about. And he's like, my dad will respect me now. and We can, we can get home. But then at like the 15 minute mark, he reaches warp 10. And you're like, wait, what's going on? Like, that's what this episode was going to be about. Well, it turns out that when he reached warp 10, 
his evolution was speeded up. So then he gets sped up. He gets sent to the sick bay where his skin sloughs off and he becomes delusional. And the doctor explains that he's experiencing a, like a millennia of evolution in one day. Oh. Uh, Cause that's how evolution works. It's just like loaded in your, <laughs> your DNA waiting to be unfurled. And then he kidnaps the captain who is Captain Janeway and takes her to warp 10. So then this happens to both of them. And then they go hide on a planet where they look like giant salamanders. And then they have- I was gonna ask if they look like lizards. They do, they look like big old salamanders. Then they have children together. <laughs> and then the other crew members come and get them. And they're like, oh, we, we can't take these weird lizard babies with us. So they just leave them on the planet. And then everyone goes home and is like, well, I guess we started a new civilization. Whoa. And, Wait, and does the captain, the captain, does she stay a salamander? No, they unsalamander them. I wish I could remember how. And then there's, they're like, you know, putting their duty jackets back on and the pilot's like trying to awkwardly apologize for mating with the captain. And then she's like, you know, well, Mr. Paris, in many species, the female initiates the mating. And it's like, ha workplace joke. And then they go back to work. And it's just like, it's just astonishing. So my third thing that has been a recommendation that has made a huge difference to me during this pandemic is that we have purchased a Costco membership. And this is a recommendation from Nina. And I have thought for years, it would be wonderful to have a Costco membership and just assumed in my head, I decided that it was probably like over $200 a year to be a Costco member. Oh, my bad. I was like, this is not worth it. And then the paper towel situation in the city was not getting any better. And it was just like, we have to investigate this because we have no paper towels. And it's like, 60 bucks and it's already paid for itself time over and I got a five pound bag of gummy bears and I have a million things of chicken thighs that were at a very reasonable price and all of the paper towels that I could possibly yearn for um, but a reasonable number because I am not an antisocial hoarder it's it's so great it really has like transformed our pandemic life in this household because it's just like that was one thing where it was like all of a sudden just like you know like things that really I had not had to worry about before (laughs) in terms of getting things was like kind of stressful and like the grocery stores in our area are like you kind of have to buy stuff the day you're going to use it because they it goes bad very quickly and you don't really want to be going to the grocery store every single day now and so it's been super worth it it's been really just like this wonderful secure feeling and they have such great stuff I can't get over how great everything Costco is have you tried the roast chicken we have not yet done the roast chicken one time at Costco on the way out of the parking lot and I was like putting the cart back and I almost left the roast chicken in the cart and the panic I felt when like it was fine and I just had to go get the chicken was cartoonish I felt like Sonic the Hedgehog when he gets like bumped and all his rings go away because I was like oh, the chicken and I was like my 
my mom said she was watching me from the car. She saw me like I did like a full body freeze. And then she said, I just started sprinting towards the car to get the chicken. Like it was a child. Like I left my child in the cart. So I hope you, I hope you do try the roast chicken. I have to. Now you're really making me. Yeah. We are so happy that Gwen was able to come and join us and share with us these wonderful recommendations. And we are also even more grateful that we have some other great friends who have also took took the time to submit recommendations of things that have been getting them through the pandemic this year. Uh, and they are specifically from our friends, Shelly and Kristen. So get ready, take some notes, sit back. It's going to be great. All right, here we go. Hi, Lauren and Nina, a Batten Down podcast. It's your friend Shelly with a West Coast Dispatch to recommend some chill-out songs to get cozy with. So this year, I became a huge BTS fan, like so many, and have done a deep dive into their music, music videos, reality shows, travel shows, the variety show. It's endless and epic and hilarious and so sweet and entertaining and a tonic in the horror that is this year. They just released a short EP album called B and I want to recommend that alongside a treasure trove of ballads on a SoundCloud playlist I recently discovered called BTS songs that aren't on Spotify. And this list includes uh, about 14 tracks, including a hidden track called C, along with beautiful solo tracks like Tonight by Jin, Promise by Jimin, and So Far Away by Suga, my favorite, uh, with Jungkook and Jin. So do check them out, listen, fall into it, talk to me about it, sending much love and cheers. Hello. Um, So this may have been popular something like two years ago, um, but it was new to me this year. I was thankful for my friend Joff's recommendation of the comedy sketches of Joe Para, specifically the episode called Joe Para Reads You the Church Announcements. It's 10 minutes. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, Joe Para, the character, is a sweet Midwestern teacher who loves his grandma and growing beans. And he was the hero I needed back in March during all that uncertainty. Um, and he was a good match for that enforced slowing down that happened during the first lockdown. And he satisfied my need for something calming. Um, we got into the rhythm of watching episodes of Joe Para before bed instead of the news. Um, and the church announcements episode, by far the best one, um, even has the meta benefit of being about the magic of a good recommendation. Um, so happy Thanksgiving, friends. Thank you again to Gwen, Shelley, and Kristen. And yeah, now it's Thanksgiving Day. How's your pizza prep going, Lauren? You know, it's in process. It's in the fridge. I got to take it out. Got to have to oil it all up. Um, and then it's kind of like, it, it has to like, uh, what's the word? It has to rise like in the in the cast iron skillet. It's going to just have some time uh, to to rise up rise up um as you will um before it actually uh is baked and everything and then i need to also drain 
some tomatoes, you know, like some whole tomatoes, a can of whole tomatoes. Uh, you let mm. that all drain out. Uh, and that's what you use to make the the sauce. That's from Smitten Kitchen. Love Deb. Love Deb. Yeah, Deb's great. Deb's wonderful. So, so yeah, it's a combo. King Arthur flour and Deb. That's how, that's where my pizza's coming from on this nice. Thanksgiving day. But yes, um, so how are you doing? I'm so tired. I... <laughs> I'm very proud of the turkey that's going to be made, but um, I'm very happy to like cook a lot because it just like takes up time and like we can share the food and do like very safe mm-hmm. contactless delivery. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very tired and I don't know how my mom did this for all these years. Um, yeah, I gotta say like the whole notion of the sheer number of sides and then the big bird, it's it just seems sometimes I don't want to sound like I'm like an American, but I'm like, this is just too much work. It's yeah. I'm very, uh, cause I only eat green bean casserole, which I love on Thanksgiving. I think that's for most people if you like it. So I just have to have it around this time. And then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if you give a mouse a cookie. So if I have green bean casserole, I need to have mashed potatoes. I mm-hmm. want my turkey. I want my like weird cranberry jello in a can and then I have to have stuffing stuffing is always the last thing of being like do I really need it do I really need mushy roasted bread and at the end I capitulate because I'm like I do do. I need it so very happy to cook everything hopefully no one gets sick and there's plenty to share and uh yeah but yeah I don't know how my mom did it I'm very tired yeah. Oh, I also no, made. I mean, I've done nothing today, and I'm very tired. So I made uh, an Oreo uh, chocolate mousse pie for my niece, and then a sweet potato pie. Oh, and I, yeah, I just don't. The project, mm. the project time management on Thanksgiving Day when you only have one oven, and like yeah, a regular no. size fridge. I feel like an astronaut. Because <laughs> well, I never realized. So my grandmother's house is a huge oven, so it has like it almost has like two sections. Ooh. Nice. Like really big. So you could always, and there, almost one section was like, we're warming things in here. You know, but it's to me, it's still to think about how to get all of this food together at the same time. Whereas here, I am doing literally nothing today. I have been on the couch. I'm going to like throw this pizza in the oven and I'm going to maybe read. That sounds, I think if I, if I were solo, I'd be doing something very similar, like not eating any Thanksgiving traditional foods. I probably would just be eating like ramen. Yeah. 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 I mean, if there were ramen immediately available to me right now, I would be eating it. But anyway, so the pizza takes a little bit more work, but not a ton. Yeah. So for listeners out there on this Thanksgiving day, happy Thanksgiving, I guess. And um, I don't know, hopefully everyone Mm -hmm. has something decent to eat. And we are leaving you this Thanksgiving special as a kind of gift for the year. Um, We're going to take a little bit of a break. A little hiatus. But we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. And we're already excited. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. We're already excited for our return, but we just need a little bit of a break before mm-hmm. this podcast becomes an artifact of our mental decline. And that's, no yes. one wants to listen to that. Yeah. No one wants this to be like a weird piece of like, I don't know, uh, auto fiction or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like where it's like an experimental form in which of like some kind of Lovecraftian thing where we just slowly lose our minds and as a gift because the holidays are you know we are in like the full tread of holiday season and one of my favorite christmas movies is the muppet christmas carol 
And it's around this time where I think of the deepest question I've ever posed to myself and to others is that if you were in a Muppet movie, any of them, would you be a Muppet or would you be a person? I would be a Muppet. I don't think there's any question. You would definitely be a Muppet. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I've never been more sure of the answer to a question oh, than like, yeah. oh, clearly I'm a Muppet. Yeah. I'm like, no, also, I'm this is um, like, I just think this automatically, as soon as I meet anyone new, could be like the most fleeting acquaintance, like, or just a stranger I see at Costco. I'm like, ah, I was a Muppet. Um, <laughs> I've been solidly person for oh, a really long time. But in this pandemic, there have been moments where I've gone a little Muppet. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, because you know, who my favorite Muppet is. Do you know what my favorite Muppet? Who? Animal. I really respond to his rage. I really relate to it. See, in slight contrast, I really identify with Beaker. Oh yeah, his his meekness. His meekness, his little like snozberry mm-hmm. nose, his panic, mm-hmm. and also the way he comforts people. His little like hand mm-hmm. pats, where he's like, "I'm nervous about approaching you, but I will do my best to comfort." I really like him. I just, I swear, I, that is great. I just feel like I love when, you know, when an like, animal like goes nuts and he's like, and then he gets, he's done and he's just like, he does that like slow breathing for all. He's like, <sighs> I'm just like, I feel you, buddy. I feel you right there. I was a very, I was a, I had a, I was a child with a temper. So that's, that's part of my, my story. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're in a very like Thanksgiving mood, thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- this has truly just been a really lot of fun. And it wouldn't be as fun if we didn't have people who were listening and who told us they listened. Like that was, we we really, when we started this, we were like, no one will listen to this. It's fine. And it's turned out to be listening, people listening to us has been the best part of it. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. So we'll be back. We look forward to it. And we're also giving you plenty of time listeners to decide for yourself. Are you Muppet or are you a person? Thank you guys. Yes. Hope you have a good night and we will catch you in 2021. Bye. Bye. Thanks again. Sorry, because not to be like more details on the summary, Gwen, but did he kidnap the captain to make salamander babies? Was that the purpose of her kidnapping? You certainly get that feeling.